Today we're starting a new series entitled Walk. And I want to encourage you to do everything you possibly can to do one, two things. One, don't miss out on Sunday. And two, encourage someone you know, a friend of yours, that may need to hear this word when it comes to going where God wants us to go. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Don't miss one single Sunday of this series and also invite someone to be part of this uh, sermon series, which I believe is going to bless. Today, this series is titled Walk because every single one of us, every single one of us are walking somewhere. Everyone in this room, you that are watching, us that are here, we're all walking somewhere. We all have the capacity to walk, to move, to transit. There are people that walk fast. You have people that walk slow. You have people that walk with assistance, whether it's animals or, or you have others that they simply communicate, uh, transit or walk literally through a wheelchair. But the truth of the matter is, whether you have long legs, short legs, whether you're with a pet, whether you're with a machine or a device, everyone, a cane, everyone is walking. And so this series is designed to let you know that you're walking, that you're in motion, that you're in movement, that whether you see it or not, understand it or not, we're all heading somewhere. And so we want to challenge you this series to understand that one thing you must have in your walk is Jesus Christ as a companion. The Bible says in John chapter number 14 and verse 6, Jesus said this, and I quote, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me. Jesus himself says, if you want to know how to get someplace in life, he says, you got to go through me. Because why? Because I am the way. Now to understand this text, you have to understand the dynamics of the tabernacle in the wilderness. When God gave instructions to Moses to build the tabernacle, the 40 years that they were in the wilderness, they couldn't build a structure because they were in transit. They were walking for 40 years in the wilderness. But every time they pitched their tents and they would build the tabernacle, they had a white curtain that would cover the entire tabernacle ground. And then they had a curtain that you would go through and that would lead you inside of the tabernacle. And you would have a wash basin there where you would wash yourself and become clean from the ceremony. You had the holy place, you had a brazen altar, you had a whole bunch of artifacts in the holy of holies. And it's interesting that from the moment you walked in through the curtain all the way to the holy of holies, there was a dirt road and that dirt road was called the way. So if I was going to the tabernacle, you was going to the, to the tabernacle in the wilderness and, and we would say, hey, listen, tomorrow, let's hook up on the way. What that meant is we're going to hook up in the road that connects us. Wherever we need to go, we're going to meet at the way. Jesus in John chapter 14 and 6, he says, I am the way. As if to say, that road that would bring you into the tabernacle, that road that will open the curtain. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? The curtain was broken from top to bottom. That curtain, he says, I am the way that will lead you into the Holy of Holies because no one goes to the Father except by me. But how do you go in unless you walk? It is impossible to enjoy the benefits of walking in the way absent from Jesus who happens to be the way 
happens to be the truth and happens to be the light. So we're called, church. You're called, friend, to walk this walk with Jesus. Now, here's the, here's the thing about walking. Walking is a normal thing. Walking is a daily normal activity. Every time I wake up, I don't, I don't have to worry about, well, am I going to wake up walking? Am I not going to wake up walking? As a matter of fact, I don't even think about walking when I walk when I wake up. It is, it is something that's innate in me. It is something that happens by default. We do it every day. You walk every day. I'm sure that by the time you sat down to watch this service this morning, today, you already walked, I don't know how many steps. We all walk. We take steps. We move from the room to the restroom, from the restroom to the kitchen, from the kitchen to the car, from the car to the store. From the, and, and we do it every day. And it's so normal that we don't even value the benefit of walking. But every one of us, I want to encourage us, as good as you can walk. And let me tell you, I've been watching them girls walk with high heels. I don't know how y'all do that. It's, that's a science. You put me heels, I'm going to collapse. It's a, it's a gift. Some people have the capacity, like ballerinas walking on the tippy toes. Others do river dancing. I mean, I mean it's, it's just amazing how people can walk and transit and commute and do all these things. But the truth of the matter is, none of us was born walking. You wasn't born walking with the capacity to walk. I wasn't born with the capacity to walk. I remember that my mom would tell me, she would grab me by my hands and she would literally show me how to walk. My daughter, Gabrielle, when she was a little baby girl, my daughter, my daughter knew, my, my, my daughter learned to talk before she learned to walk. And I remember that my daughter would say, Papi, Papi, I wanna walk. And I would grab her by her two fingers, by her two hands, and literally help her, help her, help her, help her, until ultimately my daughter mastered the gift of walking. What am I saying, church? She wasn't born with the gift of walking. Where you are today in life is not the end result of who you are. Where I am today in life is not the end result of who I am. Somebody took me by the hand. Somebody taught me how to love Jesus. Somebody taught me some values. Somebody taught me science, arithmetic, social studies, history. Somebody took me by the hand. So this is why understanding this, because when you understand that you are the end result of somebody helping you, there's no room for arrogance. There's no room for pride. There's no room for feeling like you're bigger and better and greater. No, when you understand that where you are today is the end result of somebody taking you by the hand. You live life grateful and you thank God for that. We cannot be arrogant in ourselves because we know how to walk. Somebody taught us how to walk. And here's what's crazy. Now, when you look at this in the light of the early church, the early Christians, understand this, they never call themselves Christians. We as Christians, you know, when you apply for when you apply to vote or whatever it is that you do, that, that sometimes when you have to fill out questions, it asks you, what religion are you? Protestant, Christian, whatever it is. And, 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 and the world, the world of the 21st century, when they look at us, they ask you, are you a Christian? Are you a Baptist? What, what, what denomination are you? And we, with our chests up, up, big and proud, we say, I am a Christian for Jesus Christ. Did you know? that the early Christians never called themselves Christians. To say that, to say I'm a Christian was one of the most arrogant things to say. They were never, they never replied to be Christians when they were asked, what is your religion? Because in the times of, of the Bible, it's the same time like today. People ask, hey, what religion do you believe in? What, 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 what do you believe in? Or, or another one that would say is, what's your spiritual discipline? Because back in the days, 
you had rabbis and you had teachers. And so every student, every disciple sat on the feet of a rabbi. So they will ask someone, hey, under who are you sitting? Or what spiritual formation are you under? Or what religion do you believe? And you know how they will reply. Those who were followers of Christ, you know how they will re re respond? They will call themselves, listen to this in the Greek, et todos Christia. What does that mean, pastor? I'm going to tell you in a minute. And in Latin, they will call themselves via Christos. In other words, when they were asked, what religion are you from? This is how they will reply. They will not reply, I'm a Christian. They will reply, we follow the way of Christ. We follow the way of Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. So when you would ask a Christian in the early, the first century about what religion they would believe in and what part of religion they had, they will tell you, no, 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 I'm not a Christian. No, I am of the way of Christ. I am of the way of Christ, as if to say, I am in the walk. I am walking with Christ. I am on the way with Christ. Understand this, church. Knowing the right way will be determined by the object you're attempting to go. And Jesus affirmed, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is why Jesus' followers would call themselves, oh, no, we are of the way. Uh-uh, we're not Christians. We're not worthy to be called Christians. Because to be called Christians is to be Christ-like. And we are in a journey. We are in a process. We haven't gotten there yet. So the presence of a person who belonged to those of the way was evident in their way of living and in their priorities. Those of the way, listen to me, would always make it their business to remember Jesus' teachings. When you would say, I am of the way, they would classify or identify to be people of the way because these were the type of believers that would walk with Christ to the, to the goal of learning and remembering the teachings of Jesus Christ. But also, they responded like Jesus when they would see people's needs. We're talking about how people would identify that they were of the way by how they studied the teachings of Christ, by how they respond to the needs of the people and how they treated their neighbor in a godly manner. Listen to me, church. How they care for the sick, how they care for the unfortunate, how they care for the disenfranchised. These were avenues and ways that people would look at the followers of Christ and say, you got to be from the way. Because these were the criteria. These were, these were the qualities, if you will. They learned the word of God. They loved everyone. Women, children, and old. They loved everyone. They cared. They had an agenda for the poor. Listen to me, church. Those of the way procured to be a representation worthy of Christ. Followers of Christ would have considered himself to be arrogant. And so they said, don't call me, don't call me a Christian. I'd rather you call me, I'm on the way. As if to say, I'm walking with Jesus. As if to say, me and Jesus, we're walking this thing called life and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let go of Jesus until I ultimately look like Christ and no longer look like myself. May the world, church, May the world look at us this way. May the world, when they glance their eyes on you and they glance their eyes on me, more than seeing a Christian logo or a fish logo or a Bible in the back of our car or a bumper sticker that says I'm Christian, more than that, that when they look at us, they may see the qualities of someone who walks with Jesus, church. To say Christian implied, I got somewhere. And they were like, we're not there yet. To say a Christian to the early church implied, I made it. 
And they wouldn't dare say I'm a Christian because in their mind, they were like, I'm not there yet. I still got a long way to go. I got so much to go. Whereas being on the way implied, I'm not where I have to be, but I'm on my way. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. And no one goes to the Father but to me. So if you want to go to the Father, you got to come to the way. If you want to go to the Father, you got to hang out with Jesus. If you want to go to the Father, you got to walk with Jesus. So those of us who are believers and those of us who endeavor to be like Christ, we must do what David tells us in Psalms 37, 23. He says, the steps of a good man, of a righteous man, are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. So those of us that call ourselves Christian, the question is, if I'm a Christian, are my steps being ordered by God? Or are my steps being ordered by my own desires? Because the psalmist says, the righteous man, his steps are ordered by God. His steps are orchestrated by God. His steps are not based on his desires, his dreams, and his ambitions. No, but rather they're ordered by God. And God delights in his way. Listen to me, church. The gift God gives the righteous is that he orders our steps. And this is why being a believer and being a follower of Christ is the greatest gift we have. To know that every step I'm going to make from the moment I come to that cross and I accept Jesus, my life will never be the same. Now, the thing about ordering steps, listen to me, the thing about ordering my steps when it comes to God and me, the thing about ordering steps is that he doesn't tell you your final location. He won't tell you. He'll do it like he did Abraham. Abraham, leave your family, leave your kindred, leave the house of your father, and follow me to the land I'm going to show you. He never told him where he was going. When you decide, God, to order your steps, he's going to encourage you along the way. He's going to order your steps, and he may never tell you your final location because the, the primary goal in walking with Jesus is not where you're going. It's to be with him. The thing about order steps is that he won't tell you the location as long as you're walking a step in the wrong direction. Because some of us walking with Christ, we've derailed. Some of us walking with Christ, we've decided to go another direction. Some of us walking with Christ, we decide to go backward. But as long as you're just taking a step, even in the wrong direction, that wrong direction can become a right direction as long as you're moving. Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah in the Bible, God tells Noah, God tells Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, to that great city, and preach repentance. And you know what Jonah did? Instead of walking toward Nineveh, he decided to walk towards Tarsus. And he walked away from the purpose of God. And he walked in and he got on a boat and he went to sleep. And all of a sudden, a storm arose. And the sailors were afraid to lose their life. Long story short, they threw Jonah off the boat. And when they threw him off the boat, a big fish swallowed him. And for three days, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. You know what he was doing? Repenting. Asking God for forgiveness. And you know what happened? When he repented, when he repented, you know what God did with that fish? God gave that fish new GPS directions. God gave that fish a new location. He gave him a new latitude and a new longitude. And he told, this is where you got to go. And at the end of the third day, do you know where Jonah ended up? He ended up in the same way, on the same road, in the same path that God had directed him. So it doesn't matter that you stumble. It doesn't matter that you've fallen. The important thing is that when you fall, you keep on 
about walking because God has a way that while you're walking in the contrary direction, you might be walking against his will, but when you repent, God will turn your world upside down. He'll turn it around that while you're still walking against the will of God, your feet will be ordered that while you're walking away, you're going to be walking in his purpose. And this is why it's important you understand that in your life, Jesus has got to be your walking buddy. In your life, Jesus has got to be your partner so that when you fall, he'll raise you up. When you fall, he'll pick you up. And even when you stumble, you're still in the will of God for your life, church. Now, mistake is that you make. Many people make this mistake that when we fall, we stay down. That when we fall, we collapse ourselves. But I'm here to tell you, if you made a mistake, keep on walking. If you stumbled and fell, keep on walking. If you've failed God at a given moment in your life, keep on walking. Not hold ourselves victims because of the trials. Because the trials we go through in life, they're part of the journey. The trials we go on in life, they're part of the journey. You know how many vacations I have with my kids and we do road trips and you know what made the, you know what, at the moment of the road trip we caught a flat tire or something would have happened, we were upset. But you know what would happen? Two, three weeks later, we will go back to that moment and laugh and enjoy and laugh. Listen to me, church. We continue to hold ourselves victims of the trials, but they are part of the journey. The trials you go through, they, they are what I call the scenic parts of our lives. There are the things that give, that give, that give us uh, the capacity to enjoy the moment, to enjoy the ride, to enjoy the walk. But understand that walking with Christ is one step after the other. Walking with Christ, listen to me, it's not a race. Walking with Jesus is a walkathon. It's a walkathon. Why? Because in a walkathon, everybody wins. In a race, only the first one wins. In a walkathon, doesn't matter if you made it first, doesn't matter if you made it last. Everyone in a walkathon is going to get a prize. And I want to encourage you, church, that you and I, we are in a walkathon. We're not competing with our neighbor. I'm not competing with my sister. I'm not competing with my brother. He has his walk with Jesus. I have my walk with Jesus. And my goal is me, for me, is to make it to the finish line. And her goal and his goal is that they make it to the finish And when we understand that this journey is not a fight, is not a race, is not a battle, but that I am sojourning with Jesus so that I can become like Christ, there's no, re there's no room for comp competition. There's no room for fighting. There's no room for debating. There's no room for jealousies. I'm going to walk my walk in the the pace I can walk, knowing that he who has begun the good work in us is faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. This leads me to my first point. When you look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that Adam walked with God. From the moment God created Adam, listen to me, church, from the moment God created Adam, Adam walked with God. Now, to walk with implies companionship. Because I could be walking in front of you, and that means I'm leading you. I could be walking behind you, which means you're leading me. But when I walk beside you, that means we're walking together. When I walk beside you, that means we're in companionship. When I walk beside you, that means that we're in a relationship, that we're talking along the way. And the Bible says that Adam walked with God. Let me tell you, church, in New York City, when I met my wife, I didn't have a license, didn't have a car, 
And I met my wife in the winter. We, we started going out in the winter. Winter of 1991, we started going out. And oh my gosh, it was cold those winters in New York. Petra and I would walk, but here's the deal. We would walk through those cold cities, but you know what happened? We would walk in love. We were walking in love, the freezing streets of New York, and it didn't matter. Listen, the cold didn't matter to Petri and I. Why? Because we were walking in love. And I remember when we were, when we were crossing those high-rise buildings in New York City, when the wind, would, the gusts of wind would come in, and we would be freezing. Oh, my God, it was so, so, so cold. But it didn't matter. You know why the cold didn't stop us from walking? Because the love we had towards each other kept us pressing forward. The cold didn't matter because our conversations were on fire. The cold didn't matter because every time it got cold, she would say, oh, baby, I'm cold. You know what I would do? I would put my arm around her. I will get closer to her. I'll embrace her stronger. And now I was longing for her to tell me it was cold so that I can warm her up. I was longing for her to be freezing so that I can give her warmth. Let me ask you a question. How is your walk with God? How is your walk with God? Do you enjoy walking with him or do you only walk with God when you want something from him? How's your walk with God? Do you walk with him even, even if it's cold, hot, summer, fall? Do you walk with God in every stage of your life or you only walk with God because you want something from him? Did you know in the Bible? The Bible says that Jesus was walk and the masses would follow him. Not everybody that followed Jesus in the Bible really wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. Some people just wanted to get healed. Some people just wanted to get money. Some people just wanted a blessing. Let me ask you a question. What is your real motive for walking with Jesus? It's got to be because you love him. Because when you love walking with God, it doesn't matter how cold it is. When you love walking with God, it doesn't matter how hot it is. When you love walking with God, it doesn't matter what comes your way. When you love walking with God, the walk with God is more valuable and priceful or priceless when it compares to the things you go through in life. Listen to me, church. Do you enjoy walking with him? Or do you only walk when you need something from him? I could tell, listen to me, and I'm not God, and I'm nowhere near being God, but I can tell when somebody wants to walk with me because they want to get someplace. Happened to me years ago. A gal joined our church, maybe like seven, eight years ago, and she joined our church. And this is what she told me. She told me, my uncle told me that in order to get connected to your pastor, I got to hook up to you. In order to get to your pastor, I got to be your friend. I had in life people like that, that they flock with you just to get something out of you and they move forward. But listen to me, we cannot treat Jesus like that. He's not a stepping stone. He is the chief cornerstone. He is not a way to. He is the way, church. And Adam, the Bible says, from the very beginning, Adam walked with God. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What does that tell me, church? It tells me that every day God will come and walk with Adam and Eve. God would walk with Adam. The Bible says in the cool. That word cool is the word in Hebrew, ruach, R-U-A-H, ruach, which literally means spirit, which means breath. Now, let's put it in translation. God will walk with Adam in the breath of the day. In other words, every breath Adam took, God was in it. Every breath God took, Adam took, rather, God walked with Adam. Sometimes we have a misconception of spirituality. 
We think spirituality is putting on. We think spirituality is carrying. We think spirituality is speaking in tongues. We, speak, we think spirituality is so many But spirituality is as easy and as simple as breathing. It is natural. For those of us who are in Christ, spirituality should be a natural thing. It's not weird. It's not freaky. People in the world shouldn't look at spiritual people like freaks. The world out there, when they look at spiritual Christians, they shouldn't look at us like, 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 like weirdos. No, spirituality is as normal as breathing. You don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, 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 I got to breathe today. No, breathing is normal. Breathing is a normal thing you do every single morning. Being a Christian, being a spiritual Christian is normal for those that walk with Jesus. Your body knows it has to breathe and it does it by default. Spirituality should be a default process for those of us who walk with Jesus every single day. So Adam walked with God. Second thing I want to tell you is God walks and talks with us simultaneous. This is why when God deals with me, he's not in front of me. He's not in back of me. God is right beside me because in this walk, he is with me because his objective is to talk with me. Like God did with Adam. God wanted to talk with Adam. God wanted to have a relationship with Adam. And it was through that relationship that God was able, through Adam, name all the animals. It was through that relationship that God gave Adam instructions. It was through that relationship that God told him, you can eat this, you can do subdue, subdue the earth, take control of this, have dominion, have authority, you're in charge of It was through a walking with God that Adam had a relationship and heard the voice of God. But here's what happened. The Bible says that Adam failed God. Which leads me to this question, is it possible to walk with God and fail? Is it possible to be with God and fail? Adam failed God. Adam stopped walking. The Bible says that the serpent enticed the woman, and the woman went to her husband who was walking. Her husband had to stop walking to entertain his wife as his wife was convincing him to eat of the tree. Adam failed God. He stopped walking. Now, why did he stop walking? Why did Adam stop walking? He stopped walking because he started listening to the wrong voice. Listen, whenever you and I begin to hear the voice contrary to God's will in your life, you stop moving, you stop transitioning, and you get stuck in your walk. Adam, listen to Eve, who, by the way, listened to the serpent. See, the, 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 sin, the sin of Adam and Eve was not that they ate of the tree. That was disobedience, absolutely. The sin was she started thinking that she wasn't like God because she heard the serpent whisper in her ear, if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like God. Not when Eve knew all along that she was created in the image and in the likeness of God. Listen, the primary consequence of sin primary consequence of sin. You know what it is? Paul tells us we all fall short of the glory of God. Where did that come from? Adam and Eve. How did it come from? So God said don't eat of the tree. His problem is he don't want you to be like him. 
feet. When you no longer walk with God and you walk with the serpent and you walk with the enemy and you walk on your own volition and you walk on your own strength, you will now be feeding your spirit everything and anything other than the Word of God. So the primary consequence of her believing that, listen to me, was that she, they fell short of his glory. The door that led Eve to sin was not believing that she was made in the image of God, was believing that she was not made in the image of God. Listen to me. God didn't make man to be righteous. God didn't make man to be righteous. God didn't make man to be, to be listen to me, church, listen to me. When God made man, God made man to be innocent, not righteous. God didn't make us to be righteous. God made us to be innocent. Why? Because in order to be righteous, the only reason why we're righteous is there's laws. The only way we're found righteous is if we were guilty and we're no longer guilty. When God made Adam, he didn't make him guilty of nothing. Why? Because Adam was innocent. And if he was innocent, there was no need for righteousness. And if he was innocent, there was no need for law. And if he was innocent, there's no need for law. And if there's no need for law, guess what? There's no need for the transgression of the law. So Adam didn't fall from grace. He fell from innocence. Because grace is the act you received to be righteous. And Adam and Eve did not need to be righteous. Why? Because they were innocent. But that's what happens when you walk away from God. The enemy begins to distort your perspective of yourself. When you start to walk away from God, the devil tarnishes your image of yourself. And now you start saying, I don't qualify. I don't look like. I'm not like. I'm here to tell you, you were made in the image of God. I'm here to tell you, the more you walk with Christ and you're more via Christos, the more you're in that walk journey with Christ, you will be more like Christ. That's why Paul said, I now no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live I live to the glory of the Father. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Stay on the path of the way and continue to walk in your journey so that you can always be reminded that you are a precious child in the hands of God. Now listen to me, church. Consequence. I'm going to talk to you now about the consequence of not walking with God. There's a consequence of not walking with God. Because of sin, we all know the story in Genesis. God evicts man from the garden. That was consequence of not walking with God. And from that moment, from that moment, Adam was walking out from the place he was created. The Bible says God took a caravan with a sword. And he blocked and he protected the garden so that Adam could no longer walk in. He was walking out of the presence God created for him. Adam was walking away from the garden instead of walking in it. Listen to me, church. Satan's objective is to cause us to walk away from God's will for our lives. Satan's objective is to get you walking outside of the garden. He wants you no longer to be in the garden of God's presence for your life. And from the moment Adam failed God, from the moment Adam fell in sin, from the moment Adam disobeyed, he was walking away from the garden. But you know what happened? The first Adam walked me out of the garden, but the second Adam, which is Jesus, walked us back into the garden. Jesus was going to walk back into the garden to give us access back to the glory of the Father. To the point that when Jesus rose from the dead, he was mistaken as a gardener. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 14 and 6. It says, at this... Look what it says. 
she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. That's all he said. He didn't give her three classes of institute. He didn't give us a, theology, a theology class. He just called her by her name. He said, Mary, look what happens. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Several things happen here. When Jesus raises from the dead, Mary comes to visit Jesus. She comes to take his body to prepare him. And she confused him with a gardener. Isn't that crazy? That the reason why Jesus came back was to take us back to the garden? Adam's sin kicked us out the garden. Mary found Jesus and she confused him to be at a garden as a gardener, meaning that there was a garden in the tomb. So the place Adam got me out of, Jesus got me into. And look at what happens. Look at what happens. First time he calls her, he says, woman. And she says, well, the thing is, I want to know where, where my master's body. And then he calls her by her name. See, woman is the name, is the title of random people. Mary is the name of relationship. Mary is the name of I'm walking with him. Mary is the name of companionship. Mary is the name. Jesus and Mary had a relationship. And from the moment Mary heard Jesus mention her name, her perspective changed. She turned to him. And she cried out, Rabboni, my teacher, my master, my savior. And this is why having a relationship with Christ is so important. I'm here to encourage you, church, that even though, even though you might be living out the consequences of walking out of the will of God, God wants to make a way for you. Because my next point is this, there is hope for those that keep walking there is hope for those who keep walking. And perhaps they're walking contrary to the will of God. And perhaps they're walking away from the will of God. But as long as you're walking, there is hope. Listen to me. Adam's capacity to walk was the beginning stage of his restoration. And I'm here to tell you, church, don't stay stuck in the place of your fall. Adam could have said, after the fall, I'm going to stay right here, and I'm not going to do nothing, and I'm going to just live on the floor, and I'm going to stay here. That could have been, his demise. But Adam decided, I might have fallen, but I'm still going to walk, and I'm still going to work, and I'm still going to labor, and I'm still going to move forward, and I'm still going to have kids, and I'm still going to teach my kids to love the Lord, and I'm still going to remind my kids of Jehovah God, and I'm still going to talk about the Creator, and I'm still going to talk about His goodness, and I'm still going to do Listen to me. You might have fallen, but the worst thing you can do after you fall is stay stuck. I'm here to tell you arise from your ashes clean the dust and move forward in Jesus name don't stay stuck in the place of your fall look what Psalm, the psalmist tells us in Psalms chapter 23 and verse 4 he says though I walk that's the key word walk though I walk it doesn't say walk past tense it doesn't say I'm going to walk it's, it's constant though I walk through the valley of the shadow and of death I will fear no evil. Why? He says, because you are with me. Shadows will come. Valleys will come. Death will come. 
Evil will come. Enemies will rise against you. But my confidence is God is with me and my assurance is I'm going to walk out of this. I'm hitting courage, church. Walk out of that circumstance. Walk out of that depression. Walk out of that low self-esteem. Walk out of that inferiority spirit. Walk out of that lack in the name of Jesus. It is not by power. It is not by might, but by the spirit of God operating in you as you walk with him in this thing called life to the glory of the Father. Adam, listen to me. In the story of creation, in the story of mankind, Adam, God, Eve, and the serpent. These are the four primary characters in the beginning of creation. God, Adam, Eve, and the serpent. Did you know that all four of them walked before the fall? God walked in the cool of the day. Adam walked with God. Eve Walk with Adam. And the serpent, the Bible says, the serpent used to walk. But look at what happens after the fall. After the fall, God kept on walking. After the fall, Adam kept on walking. After the fall, Eve kept on walking. After the fall, the serpent walked no more. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that after the fall, the serpent no longer walked. Now it was creeping and dragged across the dirt. Listen, the serpent now has to crawl. The devil has to crawl, and Satan wants you to stop walking. He wants you to stay stuck. He doesn't want you to progress. He wants to see you crawling. He wants to see you paralyzed in your walk. He wants to see you paralyzed in your sin, unable to walk out of your valley of the shadow and of death, but you got to walk out of it in the name of Jesus. And just like God walked out, and Adam walked out, and Eve walked out, get up from the floor, and get up from the ashes, and start putting one step in front of the other, and walk towards your purpose in Jesus name because you and I like the early church we are via Christos you and I we are those that walk in the way and Jesus is the way towards everlasting life so as I close church the greatest ability you have in this life church is the capacity to put one foot in front of the other I hope you get that in your spirit. Understand, that's the greatest gift you have. That if you fall, put one foot in front of the other. That if you made a mistake, put one foot in front of the other. That if you did something wrong, put one foot in front of the other. Stop putting your foot in your mouth and put your foot in front of the other. Stop putting the excuse that everything happened to me because of everything. No, no, put one foot on top in front of the other and walk out of your mess in Jesus' name. Why? Because walking implies movement. Walking implies movement, and movement implies direction. You're not going to have a direction of where to go if you're not moving anywhere. If you're not moving, where you're at is your final destination. But walking implies movement, and movement implies direction, and direction implies purpose. And purpose is what God has for your life. This is why the prophet tells us in Jeremiah 29 and 11, he says, for I know the good plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and to give you a hope. So we are those called of the way. We are in this walk. You're either walking from or you're walking to. But the important thing is, is that you're walking. If you're walking away from sin, 
walk towards God. If you're walking towards sin, walk to God. Because that's who we are. The transformation of salvation, the, the transformation of holiness, the sanctification process doesn't happen in the abracadabra service. It's every day, every day walking, every day walking, every day walking. It's in the walk that you learn things. It's in the walk. It was those cold nights with Bethany in the Bronx, New York, that I learned so many secrets about her. It was in those cold nights walking with Petri that I learned her favorite color. I learned her secrets. It was in those walks that we fell in love more and more. It was it's something about the walk. It's the walk, church. So today the Lord is inviting you, friend. He's inviting you to walk with him. He says, I'm the way. Where you want to go, I'm the way. What you want to be, I'm the way. How you want to live, I am the way. But no one goes to the Father unless through me. So what do I need to do, Pastor? Here's what you need to do. Invite him in your heart. And it is as simple. The beginning stage is as simple as repeating what we call the sinner's prayer. That you understand and recognize, I am a sinner. Like Jonah, I've been walking away from God. Like Adam, I've disobeyed God. But here's what I'm going to do. Jesus Christ came so that I may walk with him. So if you want Jesus, would you repeat this prayer with me and say, Dear Jesus, I recognize today that you are the way, that you are the truth, and you are the life. And no one goes to the Father except through you. Today, I hold on to the way. I receive you as my God, as my Savior, and as my King. And with your help, I promise to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that prayer, friend, I want to let you know that I am rejoicing with a host of angels right now and many of the members of our church across our campuses and around the city and the state. They're celebrating with Jesus your salvation today. And so we welcome you. But now, here's the next step. Being a Christian is not just accepting Jesus by means of a prayer. That's part of the process. Now you have to walk with him. How do I walk with Jesus? His Holy Spirit is one way. Another way is uniting with the church. The church is Jesus' institution. It is Jesus' organization. So here's what you need to do. There's going to be a number right now on the screen. You're going to take that number and shoot a text. And text me your name, text me your email, and tell me, I accepted Jesus. He is the way of my life. And one of us, we're going to reach out to you, and we're going to connect you and put you in the, in the, in the way with Jesus by means of the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And together, we're going to become the person God has called us to become. So we congratulate you for this great and mighty step in Jesus' name, New Birth Church. To you, I tell you, stay on the way. Stay on the path. Stay on the road. Don't derail or detour. And if you've fallen, clean up. Clean up from the ashes. Dust off the ashes and move forward in Jesus' name. I want to challenge you, church, to be the best version of the church to the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name.